and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and on today's episode, I am thrilled to be kicking off this brand new year of the Detox Podcast with comedian extraordinaire Bo Johnson. Bo Johnson is a comedian from Seattle, Washington. He can be found headlining clubs, breweries, and appropriately sized theaters across the United States and Canada. His stand-up has been featured on Netflix is a Joke Radio, Season 2 of Kevin Hart Presents Heart of the City on Comedy Central, Don't Tell Comedy Secret Sets, and LOL Live at the prestigious Just for Laughs Comedy Festival in Montreal. Bo is somebody that I discovered online and then was able to see in person when he came to Dallas back in March of 2023. I followed his career ever since, and he is one of the funniest people that I've been able to hear live. Um... Bo and I get into a fantastic conversation about what drew him to comedy, uh, what he finds interesting about it, and how to how to continue to build a career in this industry year over year. It's a great conversation. I think you're really going to appreciate it and get excited by it. Uh, but before we get to it, I do want to let you know that the sponsors of this episode are as follows. Empire Toys. Empire Toys has nostalgia, and nostalgia is something everyone loves. At Empire Toys in Keller, Texas, they're on nostalgia overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. And by Self Unbound. Your quality of life, physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, is a direct reflection of the level of abundant energy, ease, and connection your nervous system has to experience your life. At Self Unbound, your nervous system takes center stage as we help unbind your limited healing potential through network spinal care. Access the first steps to your Unbound journey by following us on Facebook, Instagram, or at www.selfunbound.com. And now without further ado, my fantastic episode and interview with Bo Johnson is right up after this. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time, uh, one of the individuals that I think is absolutely hilarious, who I saw on Instagram somewhere, uh, stand-up comedian extraordinaire, Mr. Bo Johnson. Bo, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. How about yourself? I'm doing really well. Um, and as I was mentioning, you know, it, it's a there's a funny story um, of how I came to to see you because I, I was able, fortunate enough to see you live earlier this year. And as we're recording at 2023, this is going to be out in 2024. So I already botched the intro, but that we're going to roll with it. Um, so I saw you in March, 2023. And it's interesting. I invited my wife to come to the show as one does when one is married. And uh, we don't always have the same taste in comedians. She's been burned before. I used to be a big Dane Cook fan back in the day when I think a lot of people were huge Dane Cook fans. I was also, um, uh, there's a couple of other comedians that are escaping my mind. Uh, Brian Regan, there's another one that I was a, a big fan of for a period of time. And of course, Jim Gaffigan. And um, uh, we don't always intersect, I would say, with comedians. So when I invited her to a comedy show, this guy I discovered online, I think it's going to be great. She looked at me with a bit of hesitation and, and skepticism, to say the least. However, she watched a couple of your of your bits, thought you were pretty funny. I was excited to see you live. And then 
when we saw you live, she was rolling on the floor with laughter and was like, okay, this guy's even funnier in person. Um, so I just want to thank you for giving me comedian cred uh, with my wife that I think will last, you know, a couple of years. So I appreciate it. Oh, amazing. <laughs> well, I feel like that's one of the things that's kind of weird about comedy until you reach like a certain point where you're um, almost doing theaters is that it's one of the few types of performance that's like advertised as comedy night. Right. <laughs> and like, obviously, there are so many different um, types of senses of humor and comedians that cover different topics and have different perspectives. But it's all like, here's comedy night. Um, and this should fit for everyone. Whereas you would never you'd never go to like a live music show in that way. Like maybe you'd go to like an open mic and you see a little bit of everything. Right. But if you're going to you'd like, no, oh, I'm seeing jazz or I'm seeing heavy metal. And so sometimes I feel like you just don't like you don't maybe do that well but other times i'm like why didn't you look up what you were coming to see right uh, <laughs> and the other thing you mentioned which i think is like i'm i'm glad this worked out for you in that case is i feel like sometimes people do bring they're like are kind enough to then haul along all of their friends and i'm like that's kind of a pressure where i'm like <laughs> i know you only if you're in a friend group you only get to pick the plans every so often and if i'm having a bad night that person won't get to pick plans for a long time <laughs> uh, that's very true and in fact I, I a memory i had of um when we're sitting at the dallas comedy house which uh, ironically the old owners of the the that institution pre-COVID, uh, I was also able to interview on the show a couple of years ago. So that place has a has an interesting special intersect in my life as well. Um, but when I was sitting there getting ready and getting hyped because I, I had been following you for a while and was super excited you were coming to Dallas, the guys that sat next to me did. He and his girlfriend decided for date night they wanted to see comedy. Comedy night. That is what they came to see. And they sat down and they said, and I'm talking about you, Bo Johnson. And they're like, who are we seeing again? And there are a couple drinks in. And they're, they're like, I don't know, this guy, I think he's from Texas. His name is Bo. Bo, good old boy, Bo. And I and I went, yeah, 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 Bo Johnson, he's good. And he's like, have you seen him? And I went, yeah, I've, I've been following him for a while. He's like, I haven't even seen anything of his. Should I look it up before the show starts? And I, I in that moment, I was like, do I set it like I'm not sure if this is like what do I give him an opportunity to bail or do I give him an opportunity to get excited or I just let him go full in and what I ultimately decided to say was no let it be a surprise and I think at that point they're they're too late um. <laughs> spoiler alert they loved it he was guffawing and like pounding the table so he was he he loved it um it could well, I I also so, yeah. Do need those people because I do not have enough people coming to see me on my own. So, um, at the end of the day, the club and I already had their money. But yeah, I'm glad they had a good time as well. Yes, um, I do like the idea of going to music night, uh, like comedy night, or um, uh, I'm trying to think of another art form where you might uh, to go, like theater night. Like if you just say theater night and then people are like, ooh, what are we going to see tonight? Is it Shakespeare? Is it Sondheim? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Well, here at the Detox Podcast, I know we, we've introed quite a bit, but for those that are brand new, welcome to the Detox Podcast. Here at the Detox Podcast, I'm going to keep saying Detox Podcast as many times as possible. Um, I like to invite people to quote unquote detox in the world around them, uh, kick back, relax for 45, 50 minutes, however long the episode is, and get a window into how other people live their lives. And so I always ask uh, a guest at the very start of the episode, and Bo, I'll ask you, what are you currently, I'm using air quotes here, detoxing from? Uh, probably just uh, work. I think yeah. it's never, never ending promotion. And I don't know if yeah. I'm uh, detoxing very well. But I think that that is the that is the biggest struggle is that what I do for a living is inherently the things that make it possible to do it for a living are also the same things that make being creative um, much harder. Yeah. Do you f- I find that insanely relatable um, just with regards to take this type of, uh, of, of medium, right? So we're, we're here, we're recording an interview, uh, recording a podcast, and I want as many people to listen to it as possible. And I, I get burnt out, uh, from time to time with trying to hype myself up to, to go hype me up for other people. You know what I mean? Like just constantly being like, you should check this out. This is awesome. Here's why it matters to your life. And I could only imagine if I then had to go stand in front of those people and get them to laugh at what I was telling them, like that's got to be just uh, very tiring, I would say, after a while. How do you end up managing sort of the nuances of your routine where you're developing bits, you're promoting yourself, you're then performing those bits, and then you have sort of the self-reflection? How do, how do you manage all of those pieces? Um, I mean, I think some of it is just hoping that it will pay off in time of doing more work than I would like now that I can remove myself from elements of it um, down the road. Because I think right now, if you, I mean, not that there are clearly much, much harder jobs and things that are more emotionally taxing than, than doing stand-up comedy, but it is, if you want to try to do it for a full living, it kind of entails doing two or three jobs at once and as i got like a manager or a few other things there are people who have been able to help offload some of that those um those elements like i still um i still book a decent amount of my work and that'll probably be shifting into the new year i'll probably be responsible for less of that but it's a lot of like i find a lot of the venues i've sent a lot of booking inquiries that's kind of something i'm able to slowly start removing from my plate um, and then I'll just, it's more that I kind of am self-aware that the weeks that I'm going through editing a bunch of clips or setting up marketing campaigns or setting up Facebook ad campaigns, all these things that are kind of their own job or task, Yeah, I'll kind of look up and be like, oh, I've, maybe I've been going to mics and shows and I've been working on jokes that exist, but I haven't really written anything. Or it's maybe if I if I have written something, it's more an accident, like a thought will come to me on a walk. It's not like as many intentional ideas. And then the weeks that I'm kind of backlogged on the business end of what I should be doing, and I'm talking to friends and writing with them and having more conversations and doing more stuff, I'll have a lot more stuff to work on. Yeah. Um, so I think that the balancing it right now is unfortunately, there is not really a balancing it because everything needs to be done. But it's more like I can I have an awareness of what's um, what's resulting in what. 
Yeah. And so like maybe right now it's the holidays and I kind of, I do have a lot of tickets I need to try to be, to be pushing, but I'm like, okay, I'll kind of take two weeks. I'll just repost a lot of old videos and hopefully have a little bit more time with my, my family and my girlfriend and do some of the work that I should be doing. I just kind of, but it can wait two weeks. Yeah. It sounds like you've got a healthy balance or at least an attempt to have a healthy balance in, in an environment where it can kind of churn you out pretty, pretty mercilessly. If you, if you let it. And what I mean by that is the over obsession on what is the social media engagement? Like how many tickets am I selling? Are my bits good enough? Am I getting in the right spaces where I'm getting noticed by people that matter? Right. I, I think, I think honestly, quite a bit of that grind is similar in scope in a lot of ways to our, to musicians, right? We were, we were jokingly talking about music night earlier. Um, but you see a lot of the same type of items with musicians. And I think what's for me, my observation, not being in stand up comedy or, or as a musician, but, but speaking to a fair number of them, I think what seems to help in the music space sometimes is when there's a bit of a shared experience. If you have a band component that mm -hmm. I don't necessarily see that mimicking uh, within the stand-up space, would would you uh, agree with that assessment, or is it slightly different? I mean, I think that on the there definitely is a lot of shared experiences. Like when I my old day job when I was still there, my my closest like friend, my closest coworker friend. I think part of why we understood each other very quickly is he had played in a lot of bands over the years. There's just mm -hmm. kind of a shared psychology where it's like, oh, we both know what it's like to drive three hours one way to perform for 10 people and make no money and go home. And that's something that is kind of limited to a small subset of folks. And so it's sure. like, oh, we kind of already, um, we kind of get each other a little bit. Um, and yeah, I think that, I mean, when you say, when you, uh, when you say that maybe it's not similar, do you mean that like the, the comic is more on, on their own versus yes, the band having correct. kind of a crew with them? Yeah. I mean, I think it goes both ways. It's kind of like, um, at least when only 10 people come, I'm not sharing that. <laughs> I'm not sharing that hundred dollars four ways. Right. And what is, what is fun? I think kind of like, um, what's what's interesting is when you first start doing stand up and you're not on the road at all and you're only doing mics and you're maybe not even doing many shows, it is kind of in some ways the most you'll be around your best friends doing stand up because you're all just in the city and there's no focus on anything other than just going to the mic itself. Um, and I'm kind of getting to the point where I can't afford to bring people with me unless they just kind of want to come on sure. their own. But I, at least sometimes, um, if it's, if it's in, if it's close to where I live and I'm driving, I maybe could bring people and pay them a little bit more. Um, but when I'm, I'm at least at the point where when I'm doing a club that books a feature, if someone wants to be on the road more and kind of just learn more, I can point my friends to the club and often have them open for me. So, mm, okay. um, and that that's that's very nice especially if you're on the road for a while um it's nice to kind of be a little bit i like being alone but it's nice to not be untethered from any kind of more sincere genuine social interaction for like three weeks at a time right <laughs> that's fair well thank you for sharing that i'm interested i want to shift gears a bit 
wind the clock back to your early days in what drew you to the idea of performing stand up in the first place? Yeah, I mean, I loved, I think when I was in middle school, I was uh, mowing a bunch of lawns and doing a lot of yard work. And it was at the same time that the iTunes music store was becoming a thing mm. and starting to publish um, like the Comedy Central half hours. And so yeah, I think yeah. almost everything that I made uh, mowing lawns for a few years was either like um, buying those half hour specials on iTunes or buying music, which now um, on the music end is a little more upsetting than I just probably have like a 13 year old laptop in the closet of my parents' house with like a thousand dollars of music on it um, that now is, is kind of uh, worthless. But we've all been there. That was that was kind of my first introduction to what stand up was, and I really. I really loved um, Mitch Hedberg was one of the first yes. people I really liked. Oh, um, yes. It was like a kind of one of the, not the first, but one of the kind of for my generation, one of the first one-liner comedians. There's like right. Stephen Wright um, before him would be kind yeah. of like very, another kind of like building block for what I think Mitch Hedberg was doing. But I loved Dimitri Martin too, as I got into college, I liked Mike Birbiglia and Hannibal Burris, oh, Maria yes. Banford. But um, I had a friend I was kind of writing with uh, who we met at, a, at the writing center at the University of Washington, where I went to school. And it was him and one of his other friends. And we were kind of making this little satirical journal together. And I think it was it was very, very funny. And it benefited from having three people working on it. Um, and through no fault uh, of theirs, I was the one who was the most gung-ho of like, let's put all of our energy into this yeah. and that kind of that kind of had dropped off and i mean no one no one is obligated to be that invested in something that you know has no financial <laughs> in, in anything you know right but i kind of was like oh i want to go all in i'd like to start doing something where i'm the only one where my my work ethic is the only thing that's really at question and I can be involved in it as I want, as hard as I want to work is not tied to other people's interests. Um, that was part of it. And I think the other struggle of writing something um, and also I had some friend, I had a friend who was in LA who was kind of working towards becoming a writer through a different end of the industry. And I was like, man, everyone I know who's writing and what I'm doing, no one's, there's this um, kind of, wall where no one's actually seeing the work that you're doing and i was like even if it's only 30 people at a time kind of a captive audience for three minutes at these open mics at least with stand-up there's an immediate feedback on yeah if what you're doing is good and so i think that was kind of as i got out of college i was probably around 22 23 i think i, I started doing stand-up for the first time and i th had been loosely to very interested in it for like five or six years at that point. Very cool. And then how do you start making the shift from post-college performing into where I, where I recently seen you and I know you're gearing up for another tour, just touring around the country essentially. Yeah. I mean, that was um, a lot, a long, a long time. Right. And I would say <laughs> that down to one the, answer. At, 
at the level I'm in, um, I'm not maybe I'm not really touring the way maybe you see like um, you mentioned like Brian Regan. Yeah. Um, or like if you look at like more of a someone who's a at least in the comedy world, like a household name like Taylor Tomlinson yep. or John Mulaney, yep. when they go on a tour, they're like, here's this tour. Um, I'm more on tour because uh, this is my job and I do love doing it. <laughs> yeah. But people are like, how is tour going? And I'm like, it's not really a tour. It's more that uh, if I am not on the road, I'm not paying my bills. Right. So it is a, it's not so much that I, I'm working on my act and it's, it's rotating through, but it's not like a, a it, it is very, I'm very grateful. And it's not something I'd imagined like a year and a half ago, but having like, people like you come out is new to me for like a year and a half where people are coming intentionally. And yeah. so maybe in, in most major cities, um, depending on the city, the high range would be like 300 people. The more average range is around like 50 to a hundred. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's the number of people who kind of know who I am. And if they find out I'm coming, will come out and the 300 range is basically almost only seattle and maybe one or two other cities if i really promoted like hard right um so it's not like uh if i'm like i'm going on this tour it's for a very small amount it's a very small group of people right um that's fair but i have been in stand-up about eight and a half years and the first few years is just kind of what was like i want to get I want to figure out how to do this thing. And I still feel like I'm at that point where a lot of it is learning how to be better and how to be funnier. But the initial and the onset of it just was, oh, I'm bombing most of the time. And then when you, I think things have changed a little bit, but kind of some of the early steps, if you want to do stand up for a career is often you'll work the door at a club. And so you'll maybe, you know, get a little bit of money, cash, and you'll check people in. And you get to do some spots on the shows and in front of like the weekend crowds. And so I did that for a year or two. And when I was probably two or three years in, I'd had a couple things I'd been very lucky about. Like Kevin Hart had a show where he would go around the country and air stand up from like three to four people in those cities. And those cities were not LA or New York, basically non-industry cities. Yeah. And when I was very new, I kind of saw an advertisement to audition for the show and signed up kind of thinking there's no way that I'll get this. And I ended up having a really good audition and ended up getting on Comedy Central within like two years, That's awesome. which is very, um, I feel like I kind of, it's like almost like when you, if you go to like a, a soccer or a football game and they have um like the vip section with free food like i've accidentally walked in there before and then you're just like, I, like it's not if i had intentionally tried to sneak in there's no way i would have made it right but i just kind of am directionally challenged and realized i walked in to like a, a part of the stadium i wasn't supposed to be in it kind of felt a little bit like that where i was like oh if i'd actually thought about this more sincerely this never would have happened but right I kind of lucked out um and so I'd been doing stand-up probably about four or five years before the pandemic and had been hitting a breaking point of where I was too exhausted to keep doing my day job and stand-up essentially close to full-time. Right. And so I quit my job. 
in like the first week of March 2020 and had been kind of in the plans to quit for about three or four months. Yeah. And the writing on the wall was looking a little bit worse by the time I had quit. Um, but within like a week of leaving my job, basically the country and the world shut down. And I think I was in I was in um, Oklahoma City the last weekend anything was open and I remember watching the NBA NBA shut down and I was like oh this is going to be a really serious thing yeah because whenever anything with that much money behind it is shutting down I'm <laughs> yeah. like oh this is this is a much bigger implications than like <laughs> uh there, there's too much money here for this not to be That's not, correct. not have a ripple effect yeah. <laughs> um and so I had quit my job for about a week to do stand-up full-time and then um, the world shut down and I went back and asked my job, my do- my boss for my job back. And kind of after the pandemic, as clubs were opening up again and live performance was feasible, um, I think at that point I was pretty good at producing shows. Yeah. So I'd learned like a skill set of how to, how do you build a show and advertise it? and set something up for people who are coming to see kind of like just a, if you will, like that blanket comedy night. Um, and it's like, I think I could probably figure out how to make a living eventually doing something like this, but I didn't really, I'd kind of had come to peace in some ways where I was like, probably people won't come to see me specifically. Um, but I bought like a nicer camera with one of the bigger shows that my friend and I had produced I was like, oh, well, I saw that people are posting these videos online and um, I'll just I'll just do that for a year. I'll post like a clip every week for a year and just see what happens. Yeah. And I think I got kind of lucky where um, I was doing it, at least on Instagram, a little bit before. I think everyone had kind of accepted that we might all have to do this for at least the next few years yeah. all the time. And so it was not a very saturated market. And I had all of the kind of like best jokes I'd worked on the last few years taped um, at a pretty nice looking show. And there was like about a month where it felt like I had a cheat code where every clip went not like insanely viral, but I was like, oh, anytime I post, I'll get like a hundred to a million views. Yeah. Um, And that was kind of the initial push where, that first month or two of that year was the first time I was having any, like any folks really find me outside of um, friends and family or people who'd seen me live in the Northwest. And that allowed me to kind of start going on the road for the first time in a totally different way, because even at the, I'm very, very far from famous, but it's so different to go and do shows for people that want to see you versus people who just kind of went to a thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 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 And there, and there are like, it's their own challenges. Like I'm, I've been doing stand up for like about eight to nine years. And so some of the stuff I've posted are jokes that I haven't retired. And there's always new things or I'm changing things, but some of what people have seen is how I would normally open a set. And so there is kind of the own challenge of balancing, making sure I'm doing enough new material and making sure if you have gone fully through everything I have online that you're still getting a show where some stuff is, is new. Yeah. Um, but it's so different to 
perform for people that are kind of showing up with more of a like it's on I, I feel like I'm when people are coming to see me and if I do a show the people in the crowd are more like I have to prove to them that they made a mistake mm -hmm. basically they're like they're showing up with the benefit of we trust that you're funny and we're gonna like just we're here to have fun versus sometimes you'll do a show where people are like you have to prove that you're funny to them before yeah. they'll even enjoy themselves um so i'm i'm very grateful for that but that was kind of the shift was over that last half year and a half and it is kind of all all on account of, of social media it's it's interesting i like how you talked about how you sort of got into this rhythm of posting the clips out there prior to it being saturated. Cause yeah, you look at it now and it's like, if you haven't penetrated uh, that or, or gotten through the, uh, the noise now uh, it, it's really hard to do that uh, with just everybody kind of posting their clips and stuff. Um, I also think it's interesting how um, like, <laughs> I just think pre kids, I want to clarify if I try and go to a comedy show now, it has to be for a very specific reason because I've got an eight-year-old and a six-year-old and it is very difficult to coordinate childcare with all the things going on. So um, I say all that to be like, so I made a point uh, when Bo Johnson came to town to, to be able to see it. But prior to kids, my wife and I would go to comedy clubs pretty regularly as just like, this is a, a fun thing. And I look back and like, out of every single person we saw, there was only uh, one particular person that we intentionally went to go see because we knew who they were. And that's, I forget the actor's name, but he played Gomi, uh, uh, the second in command in Breaking Bad, right? So the, the friend of the main DEA agent, right? So he's that actor. And so I came, right, because of Breaking Bad connection. But we saw Fortune Feimster before she was like Fortune Feimster, right? Like she just came into town and I'm like, who is this person? Fortune, What? What, what, what is this? And she was hilarious, right? Um, and I, but, but to your point, right, in those environments, I do think um, people are just kind of coming to see a comedy show but are trusting that you're, if you're featured in that spot, you're, you're pretty funny. Um, although I do, and this is going to transition to the next question I'm going to ask you. Obviously, there's lots of interesting things that happen real time, right? It's live theater, as it were. Um, during your shows, I remember uh, the show that I went to. I think there was a, I think it was a bachelorette party. There was one person that was real loud, real vocal, real like like interacting with you to the point that I remember you just like paused and were like allowing her to just kind of go on and on and on, and you just were like, well, there you go, like something about the bachelorette party. So I'm interested in some of your um, maybe like a moment or two from you that's a sort of a interesting tale from the road mm, oh man like um someone interrupting a show or just more of something that's happened on the road oh uh let's let's uh let's keep it contained to the actual show i'm sure there's probably you know stories of flat tires and leaky oil and stuff like that I i'm not really interested in that i'm more interested right and like p disruptive audience members or perhaps audience members who their friends keep telling them that they could do stand-up and they decide to 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 try and make that claim good in the middle of a live set yeah i mean i feel like the two or three wildest ones one was i did a like 20 day run through mostly rural towns and cities in British Columbia. 
And in one of those towns, I think it was Vernon, um, it was a great show, um, but there was one woman who had definitely been, there wasn't even liquor at the theater, so she definitely <laughs> showed up pretty drunk and was interrupting a bit during the show. And there was one point where I think she yelled out, like, it's almost Thursday. And it was like, it was like Saturday or Sunday. And so it's like, it's not even almost, it's not even true. It's not about as far from Thursday as it could be. And later during the show, um, I was, I was headlining. So there's the host and the feature had gone on and I heard something behind the curtain on stage. And I thought that maybe the host Nash, cause he'd rented the theater. I thought yeah. like, I, I was told what time I was doing, but I was like, are we like, do we, we start late? Do we have to be out of here? Are you trying to signal me to like to wrap up early basically? Right. And so I was like Nash. And then I kept hearing stuff behind me. And then I like heard a voice from behind the curtain. So like I went under to investigate and it was the same woman from the show had kind of wandered into the lobby and somehow found her way behind the curtain <laughs> in the theater. Um, and I will I also just say, I mean, on a, not all performers are going to feel this way, but on my end, the type of, the type of disruption she was doing is my preferred one in the sense that my least favorite type of heckler are people who are like visibly not paying attention and talking, mm, yeah. but in a way that it's not visible to the entire show, but I can hear it and I'm aware of it um, because someone yelling out and interrupting a show um, sometimes can create like these really fun, special moments um, like that. They also can totally ruin shows. Um, but at the very least, the one thing they do is like with someone like her, when she was yelling out or going behind the curtain, on my end, I think it's easier to deal with to a point because if I'm responding to it, the entire audience understands what I'm responding to. Sure. Whereas sometimes there's maybe a group of people who are talking through the whole show and I can hear them and I can't think straight anymore and my attention is getting divided and I'm not able to kind of be in the moment the way that I should be or would like to be for the people who, who aren't being disruptive. But if I address those people... I look way more like a jerk because mm. maybe 75% of the room is like, we can't hear them. But on my end, I'm like, I've been listening to them talk for 20 minutes now. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of one of the balances. Um, I also had a show more recently where someone brought their baby to the show. They were really lovely. They were wonderful audience members, but I was like, this is the first never had a baby brought to a comedy show before. <laughs> And then the late show that night, um, there was a point during the show where um, there were two audience members on opposite sides of the room. I was in Baltimore. It's like the late show, so a lighter show, probably about 40, 50 people. And a woman on one end of the show pointed at a guy across from the room and publicly accused him of clogging the toilet. Oh. And I was like, wait, what? And she's like, he clogged the toilet. And which I thought was, I was like, this is the worst thing. He wouldn't have imagined this could possibly happen. Yeah. It was just one of those. 
those situations is like you don't you like surely no one would publicly call me out for this happening right uh, but that was that was probably one of the other stranger just random audience uh, moments that has happened more recently that is wild uh first of all um man geez uh okay well as we're wrapping up i want to ask um, do you have any maybe soft advice or guidance for somebody that maybe is looking to get into standup, um, either as, as a hobby or perhaps as, as a career? Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, it's one of those things where, uh, you just kind of have to do it. And that's the only, that's really the only first actionable step, um, once you want to start, but, for people who want to maybe dip their toe in or are hedging the line of how to start and say so you could go to an open mic and just kind of watch and see, get an understanding of how, how it works, go up to the person who's producing the mic. If that's where you're going to go back to and like find out how long the sets are. And then I'd prepare that amount of material and go, and you do it and record it. And then if it's something someone's interested in more seriously, whether they're like, I really want to try this for a career, or I want to take this hobby, this like more seriously is something that I'm not trying to do as a living. It'd be like kind of continuing to record those sets and edit out what isn't working, make adjustments, be mindful that you're not just doing the same thing that doesn't work without change. Um, if something isn't working in multiple rooms in front of multiple audiences, it's probably not going to start working if you don't edit or adjust it. And that's kind of the, the first step, I think, in, in figuring it out. Perfect. I appreciate that. Well, we are going to, first of all, this is a fantastic conversation. And I think for anybody that is interested in learning more about uh, stand-up, comedy or or stand-up as a career this has been an incredible conversation um i am going to shift us to our final segment of the show it's a segment i like to call things to check out it's where i provide recommendations of something to read watch and or listen to and i invite my guests to do the same so i will go first i am um uh, the only real re well I, I will i'll say this um Former comedian, I was I was telling a former comedian, former guest, current comedian. There we go. That that's how to say it. Um, I was t uh, TJ. I was telling Bo about TJ before we started. So TJ has been a guest on the podcast before. Um, his his set. He has a full set that is on uh, Amazon. Uh, I believe it's still on Amazon. Um, you can go check it out. And and of course, I don't have the details pulled up because I'm a terrible uh, promoter and a terrible friend. But if you look up the stand up comedian TJ. He's been a guest on this podcast before. He just had an eight-minute set that's out on YouTube. You should definitely go check it out. It's really hilarious. He's got a new set, uh, a tour around colonizing America is what it's called. So it's it's pretty funny. You should check that out. If you're interested in sort of a, a movie look maybe at stand-up comedy as a, as a career, I really appreciated – I like the movie. I believe it was called Funny People – uh, with Adam Sandler and Seth Rogen. And there's a, I'll never forget this. There's a moment in the movie where they go perform at a MySpace party and Tom is there and they talk about Facebook sucks and like they're at MySpace and let's just pause and appreciate that MySpace was such a critical piece of 
culture that it made it into this movie and it no longer exists. So <laughs> there's that. Um, and as far as, as things to listen to, I always, you know, I think Bo had a good recommendation of different comedians to listen to Mitch Hedberg. I really liked that. One of the things that I found interesting and fascinating in my college days was we would burn some of those sets onto uh, CDs and whoever was was driving, right? We'd pass them around like it was a mixtape. So I had like uh, a couple Dave Chappelle's, a couple Brian Regan's, definitely had Mitch Hedberg's. Um, and then I bought the like double box set of Dane Cook because that's how life was at the time. And it was weird that he was like a rock star, even though he was a stand-up comedian. Anyways, um, so I would say those are some good things to check out. Um, I'm also actually pivoting from stand-up comedy in the last recommendation I have. Uh, I've been listening to Texas Monthly's podcast called, Amer uh, uh, well, I was about to say it's America's Sweetheart. I think that is what it's called. It's about the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. Um, America's Girls, that's the name of it. It's from Texas Monthly. It's about the legacy of the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders, and it's it's sort of examining why they existed, how they continue to exist, and how things have evolved over the years. It's a really good, uh, interesting listen. I highly recommend that as well. Those are my things to check out. But what are some things for folks to read, watch, and or listen to? Um, I mean, in terms of following the, the comedy train, if people like someone like Mitch Hedberg, um, my friend Brad Wenzel is a really great original non sequitur um, joke writer. And he has, I think, a, a YouTube special out and then a and two albums are out that are both great if you're on like a road trip. And someone I don't know as well, but was very kind when I met him. But also I just really enjoyed the special he put out on YouTube too is this guy, David Drake. I think his latest YouTube special just really cracked me up. And um, yeah, those are kind of the two things I've kind of seen most recently or someone who I, I always recommend that kind of come to mind. Very cool. Now, Bo, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, if people want to see if I'm, I'm actually funny, not when <laughs> outside of a more, a more serious, <laughs> um, genuine conversation. Um, I'd say that the two best places to go are either if you want like a shorter look, my Instagram, Bo Johnson comedy, you could go to one of like the pinned posts. If you want to give it like a, a minute try, or if you have 10 minutes available and want to get maybe more of a sense of what a piece of my act would look like. If you type my name in Bo Johnson, B-O Johnson, and then don't tell comedy, I have like an 11 minute um very professionally taped set on their youtube channel that would be kind of a good introduction to what i'm doing and a lot uh, many more longer videos in my own youtube i appreciate you bringing up that um that channel specifically because of the fact that the other individual i was talking about before um tj is also on like his set also just dropped on the the don't tell um channel as well so folks can check out yours um, they can check out, I'm sure, quite a few other folks as well if they're in that um, in that space. Anyways, well, this has been a fantastic conversation, Bo. I really appreciate it. And, oh, uh, we were talking so much about your tour. Do you mind um, just telling people, obviously, they're listening to this in at the beginning of January. So you'll, at this point in time, uh, even though we're not recording it then, they'll have already, um, your, your <laughs> forced tour, as it were, will have already been... Uh, in route, but give folks maybe a, a preview of what they could expect if they come out to see you on your current swing. Um, they'll see 45 to 60 minutes of above average comedy. <laughs> <laughs>
and I will be in Albuquerque, <laughs> Detroit, Indianapolis, um, Des Moines, Windsor, Ontario, Ann Arbor, Michigan um, are the first stops for January. Well, there you go. Um, and I mean, if uh, a promise of above average comedy doesn't drive you in droves to the show, I'm not really sure what's going to. Um, definitely, definitely come see Bo. He's one of the funniest people that I've seen online and in real life. And he's a genuine, genuine person. I still have the sticker I got from his show, Do Life, Not Drugs. If you're wondering what the fuck that means, you can go check it out. Uh, I'm not going to explain the bit to you, uh, but it is the title of this episode. So uh, check it out. Bo, thank you so much for your time today. Totally. Thank you for having me. Of course. Happy, and, uh, happy New Year and happy holidays. That's right. Happy New Year. Happy holidays. Happy 2024 as we head into an election year. I'm not even going to touch that. All right. Um, you've been detoxing with detox. Now go and make a more inclusive world. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Detox Podcast, or visit DetoxPodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds, and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, the show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com. <laughs>